This is where you come to hear tales of loss, redemption, salvation, perspectives, epiphanies, and self-evolution. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the glory in our stories. What up, TGOS listeners? Welcome to the latest episode of The Glory and Our Stories. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Mary Margaret Leroy, student ministries and outreach pastor of Vineyard Church of Augusta. Check it out. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Glory and Our Stories. Um, today, I am with Mary Margaret Leroy. She's a student ministries and outreach pastor at Vineyard Church in Augusta, Georgia. If I'm not mistaken, there's a community, Vineyard Church, and on Wrightsboro, mm-hmm. on that side of town. Yep. And um, I always start out the, each podcast pretty much explaining how I met uh, the interviewee. Um, started my fiance and I have been at church searching, mm-hmm. and um, we've been to a couple of churches, and that's one of the churches that we've gone to where the people are very kind oh, and okay. welcoming. And um, Pastor Reese, oh, man, he, I don't know, it's just, it's just some, he has this warm spirit mm-hmm. about him. And to have a, just in general, just to have a father like him, mm. that's that's the kind of father you see on 80s, 80s television. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not, not to use, you know, yeah. a corny example. No. Uh, but it's, it's, he's very, he's genuine. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's nice. And around that time we met you. You were your hair was obviously a lot shorter than it is. Yes. And um, of course we'll get into that later. Um, but to to see you all together, mm-hmm. but to learn more about you and to hear about you because I've only heard about you through your husband. Oh, okay. But when I actually talk to you and shake your hand, mm-hmm. I was like, I only imagine what kind of person you are now. You know, even considering what you went through over the last yeah. year, but even going even further back mm-hmm. to the, your beginnings. Okay. Um, so, but first of all, thank you for your time, and um, thank you for um, finally catching up with me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, it's fine. Thanks for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. It's funny you you did that as far as putting it on. You say you put it on this in, this um, meeting, this interview. She had put it on three calendars, yes. and um, <laughs> Adrian, my fiance, had been getting on to me about putting things on calendars, mm-hmm. and I would say something. So I'm doing this. I was like. You didn't tell me that. I said, yes, I did. Yeah. Did you put it in the calendar? I'm like, no. <laughs> well, you should. <laughs> I've been married 29 years. We still have that conversation. Wow. So. <laughs> well, I would duly, I would note that. Yeah. And, and highly consider that as far as what I'm getting myself into. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but I guess I start off by saying this. Are you from, well, asking you this, are you from Augusta or no. where are you originally from? I'm from Kannapolis, North Carolina, which is about 20 minutes north of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is a pastor. My Growing up, my grandfather was a pastor. Actually, three of my four grandparents were ordained oh, wow. ministers. Yeah. Um, and so when I was in, my grandfather was our pastor. And then when I was in middle school, my dad became pastor. So yeah, no, I, I love being from the South. I love mm-hmm. North Carolina. I, I did not want to move further south. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and God said, joke's on you. So, yeah. Um, yeah, when my husband and I got married, because he was in television news at the time, he goes, well, let's live in Augusta one year. Mm-hmm. Liar, liar, pants on fire. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
the things change, hearts change, desires change. And so this is, I, keep, I always tell myself, and I really believe it, that this plan is better than anyone that we would have made up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what is it? So what are some cool places that you would recommend visiting in North Carolina? Oh, everywhere in Charlotte. It is just, and I haven't lived there in a long time, but mm-hmm. still go through there. They, one of my favorite things to do when I was there was um, any jazz club. Really? Yes, the music scene was just pretty terrific. It's like Atlanta, just cleaner and smaller and less traffic. <laughs> it's just beautiful, and the museums are terrific. Yeah. And just, I love an energy of a downtown. Mm-hmm. And so if you just park your car and just walk downtown, it's just, oh, you just get high as a kite. It's just great. Man. And it's funny because I just recently started going downtown Augusta. I love downtown Augusta. <laughs> and I don't know why. Like when I was younger, because in Thompson, Thompson's so small, and this was the place to be on the weekends. Oh, absolutely. So they had teenage clubs everybody was talking about but nobody mm-hmm. was really talking about Broad Street so oh. when every, somebody mentioned the first Friday yeah like, what is that so I went to it I'm like this is awesome we loved first Fridays yeah and of course I got introduced to the Saturday market oh yes and it's, it's, it's but there's just so much going mm-hmm. on down there and that's actually one of the places that we had planned on moving to possibly oh, if yeah. God said so but, yes because that's it's like a nice medium between the the north and the south it really is yeah yeah it's really great so mm, wow and it's funny because i think um one of my, one of our favorite pastors stephen furtick mm-hmm. his home church is there um elevation church oh yes absolutely and yeah. we've been telling ourselves that we would love at least to travel up there and visit it. oh you should and um i actually have friends that are moving there pretty soon wow. so i think that's another incentive oh to absolutely go up there. Absolutely. Um, it's so. just beautiful. And there are actually seasons there. You would not think that just moving three hours away, cause, um, that it would make that big a difference, like in weather. Yeah. But it does. I mean, it still snows in my parents' house at least once a year. They have actual four seasons, whereas, you know, here in Augusta, we have hot and hotter. Yeah. So. <laughs> hot, hotter, and whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's funny you said it because when I was younger, I didn't know what to wear to school yeah. until you stepped outside. Oh, yeah. So I used to put my hand on the window and <laughs> say, if, it's, if this is cold, I know I have to put clothes on. If not, I'm good. <laughs> but that's, I, heard, I actually heard a, um, somebody doing an interview, and he said that's that thing he hated about being in the South. He had to visit Atlanta for oh, a, a, a yeah. taping of a show. And he said it, Atlanta is just has, but Georgia just has, like, it's very bipolar. Like you don't it know yes. when it's going to be hot, it's going to be cold. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I would love to get away from and actually be in a place that has yes. four seasons. So, well, North Carolina is your place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you move here? Uh, uh, the Let's see. We got married April 7th, 1990, at the end of that week. Oh, wow. <laughs> we, went, we went on our honeymoon from the... Uh, from obviously from the wedding and mm-hmm. then uh, when we came back we moved into our apartment wow yeah it's crazy <laughs> we, um, and it's on Central Avenue it's a big pale yellow house like a big antebellum house and mm-hmm. they had divided it up into three apartments and our apartment if you look at the front door of the house that was the door to our apartment yeah it was great it was those big high ceilings pocket doors no insulation um, we lived there three years. Our rent never went up. We had no washer and dryer because there was no hook up there. Yeah. So we 
went to a laundromat, Ruth's Laundry and Leisure. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And by the end, she started serving beer on tap. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, we this is something. So anyway, yeah, we had lots of interesting... It was like being in a Flannery O'Connor short story wow. going in there. <laughs> That's so very anyway, specific. Yeah, so it's funny. It's fun to still drive by there and show my kids. Yeah. That's where we live. So. Do you all ever find yourself now in your marriage, like, reminiscing on back when things, like, in comparison to where you are now to then, were things more simple? They probably were. Oh, but. yeah, but we were so ridiculous. We didn't think they were, you know. You're so dramatic when, you know, we were just, or we are so dramatic. Yeah. It was just, you know, everything's just so intense and, you know, these big plans and we're going to do this and then we're, yeah. No, it was, yeah, no, we would go to work, we'd come home, we'd go work out, we'd go cook dinner, we'd sit down to eat dinner at 10 o'clock at night. Who does that? <laughs> I mean, I'm asleep now by then. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's fun kind of just thinking about yourselves. And, oh, I was teaching at Augusta Christian, and he was working for the like the NBC affiliate. Mm-hmm. They don't pay hardly anything, but you get free tickets to stuff all the time. So it was nothing for me like, go check my box, and there'd be a note. I got tickets to some concert in Atlanta, Tell me what you want me to pick up from the house. I'll pick you up from school. So we wow. would go to a concert, I mean, for free. Yeah. Get back at 3 o'clock in the morning, and then go to work the next day. <laughs> I cannot do that. I get up at 5 o'clock now. So it was just, anyway. Yeah, so that was that was fun. Just being able to, and we love Atlanta. And we had always, I remember we'd be going to all these shows and things and say, if we did not want children, we would totally move here and we would <laughs> this would be our scene but we wanted kids so yo tigas listeners if you haven't heard already i'll be closing my soundcloud account at the end of the month you can still catch old and new episodes of the glory in our stories on apple podcast and spotify if you have a story to share or are interested in sponsoring the show contact me via facebook or email at mrpennywell8 at gmail.com. That's M-R-P-E-N-N-Y-W-E-L-L, the number eight, at gmail.com. As always, I hope that you are inspired by the conversations and seek to inspire others with details of your journey. Stay cool, stay calm, stay kind. Love each other, but most importantly, love yourself. Not that people in Atlanta can't have children. That's that's true. That's funny, um, and I, re- I realized growing up and, and dating that at some point you have the conversation about whether or not both of you want kids or one of you won't want to oh, do yeah. and not prepared for it, but it sounds like both of you were on the same page. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Time. We had all those conversations before we got married. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we wanted to have four kids, and I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And we ended up having three kids, and I pretty much was stay-at-home. I was able to, my, I taught at some sort of non-traditional places so that yeah. we could kind of, my children, and my children still think, even though I work full-time, my children still think I am a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we had all those kind of conversations. And th- lucky for us, we both felt the same way. Yeah. It wasn't like nobody tried to convince the other person, because mm-hmm. those are big things. Yeah. Um, it's funny, a lot of people, ever since we got engaged and people saw that we were pursuing marriage, mm-hmm. the first thing that people who were married said, get counseling. 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they say, please, absolutely. please, because a lot of them didn't. Yep. And they're just now pursuing it. Oh, yeah. Well, we have a, we did, now my dad married us, so we did not want him to do our premarital counseling. We had a friend who was a psychologist, and, and he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Reese has a policy. He, he won't marry anybody unless they go through premarital counseling. Yeah. It's just, I would add something to that. It's like after your first year, you need to do it again. Mm-hmm. That first year is an interesting year. Yeah. It's a lot of adjustment. I mean, it's wonderful and hard yeah. at the same time. So I remember on our first anniversary thinking, oh, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> <laughs> but I was crazy in love, too, so it wasn't yeah. like I didn't like it. It was just a lot because I had said I moved here. When I moved here, like I didn't have any friends, no family. His family just lives 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And like I said, he was working for the NBC affiliate. So imagine like, you drive into town, you know no one, and your spouse's face is on billboards all over town. <laughs> now, I had a little personal identity crisis yeah. there for a minute. So, I mean, he was terrific about it, but it was just that was just a big adjustment. Wow. So, how was how was that for him? Because I, I would have never known he was a, that was a part of his career. Oh yeah. Like, when did he start that? Like, was that? Oh, right out of college. That's what he went to school for. We met wow. in college, um, and we weren't we dated off and on in college. And when we graduated, we weren't speaking. We went to Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma. Okay. And we graduated, we weren't speaking. I was dating this wild rebel poet, and he was dating literally Miss New Mexico. Wow. And I tell people, it's like we were dating ourselves our perception of ourselves <laughs> because he's he's lovely and I get in trouble so yeah, um, yeah no when yeah that was, was going to be his career that was his whole life and that was going to be our life and mm-hmm. I thought for sure we'd end up in New England somewhere you know yeah. <laughs> I read too many Robert Frost poems I guess <laughs> but yeah so here we are <laughs> yeah 20 29 years 29 years wow mm-hmm. oh. yep Goodness gracious. Yes. Um, and speaking of, within that time period, yes. at, at what point did you all start your own church? Well, actually, we, um, I grew up in a four-square church, which is Pentecostal, and he grew up Assemblies of God, and so when I moved So here, did I. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, his family was very involved in their church in Lincolnton, mm-hmm. and so when we moved, we thought, okay, this, he said, you know, you're moving into my world. Let's let church be something that we just find on our own. Okay. And so I wanted to go to a church with like a normal name because Foursquare is not normal. I should have gone with a normal name. I did not want to meet the pastor. I want to sit about three-fourths of the way back yeah. and just say hello to everybody around me. You know, yeah. I wanted, <laughs> that's all I wanted. Um, but instead, we and we visited tons of churches. Um, and then he said, hey, a friend of mine told me about this church called um, the Vineyard and say John Wimber the guy who founded the Vineyard he we'd heard him speak at ORU when we were there okay. so I, okay and we went and at the time it was 50 people in an unair-conditioned warehouse Wow. and our the founding pastor Thor Kohlberg he had been a Methodist pastor and mm. really got um, involved in the healing ministry of Jesus and at the time that there was no place for him in that movement yeah. to explore that but the vineyard was like oh, this is what I've been looking for mm-hmm. and so we started attending and um, Thor smelled fresh meat I guess I mean he took us to every conference you can imagine and really just he and his wife became our first friends yeah. um, and some of our closest friends um, and so 
we just got more and more involved in the church, restarted volunteering. He's a great musician, um, and so he started volunteering on the worship team. And then as time passed, uh, he got promotions at work, so we didn't leave after a year. He yeah. became news director, and again, we get more involved with the church, and Thor started asking Reese to come on staff. And at first I was like, no, we are, <laughs> no. I, I've already gone down that road. I mean, yeah. I grew up in that. Um, I love God. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Yeah. But we, um, and he didn't want to either. Um, so we just, but we did begin that process. Now, in hindsight, mm-hmm. we began to um, to discern that kind of discernment process yeah. of what do you want, and um, I, I did. I had to get. A, I kept thinking, if we say yes to this, then we're gonna not have any money and live in a car, and I don't want that life. <laughs> <laughs> but once I listened to Jesus, and He's like, that's, and even if it is, so what, you yeah. know. But when we both felt, because that was a big thing for us, we never, um, nobody's going to be dragging the other person across the line. We have to both feel confident about something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and he was, and in the meantime, he was sending out tapes to other markets. He's really good. And so, yeah. it's like he kept getting nose, nose. But then Thor's like, come on, staff. So, so he was the first hire, first full-time hire at the church, and so he became worship pastor, and then became executive pastor. And 15 years ago, Thor um, was like, "Hey, Bonnie and I are going to move up to Charlotte and start yeah. another church." And so that's when Reese became lead pastor, and oh, wow. then I came on staff 12 years ago. Goodness. Yeah. And it's, I think it's amazing. Ever since we started attending, we've seen it gradually progress. With mm-hmm. even if like within a year or two. Oh yeah. And um, one thing that I've noticed about you all's church is family. Like that's what that's what you see. That's it, the feel that you get is family. Good. That's I mean that's you know the scripture that says you know God puts the lonely in families. That really means something because yeah. you know we want to be that place that family is defined very in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. and we just want to be a home a welcoming place where people can experience God's kingdom and experience Jesus' love yeah. no matter what their family looks like yeah so. and I think that's one of the um, the things that leading into my I guess my next question the mm-hmm. ideal of church in 2019 like what mm-hmm. does it mean because I know I've been hearing a lot of Christians leaving the church mm-hmm. because it's more of a place to meet but not a place to um, fellowship and become more relational. Right. And they found this severe disconnect. They, some people have said it's becoming constant. Was it institutionalized? Yeah. And it's just you come here, you do this, you fit in this box, you go home, mm-hmm. come back, get your fix, you mm-hmm. go home. But there's no connect. Right. And it's weird because in the last year or two, I have been recently heard about small groups. Because oh, growing yeah. up in First Assembly, when like in the nineties, right, we didn't ha- really have that. Oh, none, yeah. none, and plus, I was a, like teenager, so right. I was just with the youth. Sure. But even my mom, like, when church was done, mom went home because she yep. was a teacher, and oh. she taught all year, uh, taught all week. Yes. And then she go to church Wednesday and Sunday, but that was the extent right. of the connection with the people that you went to church oh, with. Oh yeah. So how do you feel about the role of the church now today? Has it changed? In the oh, last yeah. decade, yeah, I two. really, I think it has. I think we've, I think the church as a whole has done some things right. I think we've done a lot of things wrong. A lot of churches aren't open to admitting their faults. 
uh, some churches want to uphold this facade that everything's perfect within those walls. Uh, but one thing that I really admired about Mary Margaret was her candidness. You know, somebody of her caliber uh, will uh, probably be uh, more likely to speak um, on behalf of the ministry in such a optimistic um, point of view. Uh, but uh, she chose to be straightforward, and I highly appreciate that, not just as a guest, but as an individual. Um, but one thing that I can honestly say, based off our conversation, is that she wants to outweigh the bad with the good. So continue to listen to the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories with Miss Mary Margaret Leroy. Um, but I, when I say that, I, I love the church. Jesus loves the church. I mean, Scripture is real clear. The church is who Jesus is coming back for. Yeah. Um, so I have faith for this church. Um, it's like anything that's big. It sometimes it's hard to turn, hard yeah. to change, and it's like okay, you don't want you want to affect society. You don't want to a society to affect you. Exactly. And so I, I guess a couple of years ago we really started looking at this idea of our message is not going to change. We. We are a place, we want to be a place of hope. We want to be that family. We want to be that, a place of healing, like a hospital. Yeah. We want to be a, like a, the army, that place of equipping. We want all that connection. So that message is never going to change. It would be how we communicate it. Mm-hmm. That, that has to change. Yeah. Because you've got to, I read an article a long time ago. It was really about technology and your kids. And they're like, okay, you are the interloper. They are the native. And so you have to learn the language. Yeah. And so I just think that as the church, we have to constantly be re-upping the language. How are we really being the hands and feet of Jesus in this context? Yeah. You know, and that's that's not easy. You know, that's not easy. But I do, I think that the church, when you, we're looking at, you know, how so many... People don't know how to have relationships anymore. Um, you know, our screens, everything's virtual. They don't yeah. know how to connect. And I think that the church should be that place where not just a literal, hey, I, I'm meeting you, mm-hmm. but where you get to really be real. Yeah. You get to be authentic. You are not judged. You're loved. You're cared for. Because it's, you know, one of the events that we um, serve at every year is the Pride event. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we give away Mardi Gras beads and prayer. And yeah. so people will ask me, you know, well, what's your church like? I said, you know, I always tell them, it's not my job. We're all broken. Yeah. It's not my job to fix you. It's the Holy Spirit's job to heal us all. And that's just, I really believe that. No matter where we're coming from, no matter what our story, no matter what, no matter what our age, because that's very important in our kids' ministry and yeah. in our youth ministry. You know, there's not an ID required, you know, to hear from God. Mm-hmm. So just that it, so to get back to the real answer of the question, um, yeah, the church needs to be a safe place. I guess if I could sum it all up, it needs to be a safe place because I don't think the world does not offer safe places. Um, yeah. I don't think, I think we're obsessed with safety, but I don't think we offer any safe places. But I think the church needs to be that and not, not just like any regular nonprofit, yeah. but, you know, the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit, you know, coming, dwelling, changing, 
making us the people that he destined us to be before time began. Yeah. Because we, we anyway, a safe place. So that's what I would say. And it's, <laughs> and it's funny you said that because um, that was, you're familiar with the uh, guy that plays Captain America? Yes. Chris Evans? Yes. Apparently, um, there's, because, you know, this is, this is Pride Month. Yes. And he, somebody said something uh, to him. Oh, they, of course, they're they're promoting. Um, what is it? The straight parade. Straight pride. Straight I pride. saw yes, that. Yes, I have not read about it, but I, I saw that headline. Yes, and his response was, um, "Okay, what happened to us being humans and meeting people where they are and just being a genuine individual? What exactly. happened to that? Exactly. Instead of just doing this." That's totally, totally excluding exactly other people. Exactly, and I, and that's one thing that that bothered me is because we're doing that and we're constantly providing something that could be safe. Yep. But it's not. Exactly. And it's like you said, it's the delivery, it's the way that we communicate, oh, yeah. and it can be a huge turnoff. Yes, yes, it really can. If you, yeah, you just really have to listen lean in to the person to what their situation is what their context is um i think that's what jesus did all the time i mean if you look at everything he did every interaction he had um he was leaning in and he was valuing the person yeah now even the pharisees you know when he was talking smack to them i mean (laughs) that they needed to be they needed that i mean he was trying to break through that kind of whitewashed sepulcher you know he was trying to break through because he wanted their heart you know and a couple of them did cross over but you know he valued people and that's why I think that we seek value from so many different things I think we seek I think we seek value from from things like you know if our orientation yeah or this is I am valued if you're valued because you're made in the image of God yeah and you know and to be human to understand your humanity is really the more you understand your humanity is really the more spiritual you become yeah anyway and it and it allows us to see people who they are opposed to judging them based off of personal preferences absolutely and um, like so many instances something will happen and they're like well they deserve this because this and i was like but think about it somebody just lost a child somebody lost a parent yeah somebody in their life is not going to be there when they wake up the next morning exactly that is a human experience and anybody can relate yep you know plato said be kind to everyone because everyone is fighting a great battle yeah and that's true you know we just don't know it with my kids i'll say okay like if someone has treated them badly and if I know something about their life, like, okay, this, or if they have, someone has behaved badly, maybe not even yeah. treated them badly. It's like, okay, they experienced these hurts in their life, and they're acting out of that. Now, that does not excuse that behavior, but you need to understand yes. so that you can extend compassion. Yeah. And going back to, um, that was a phrase that you used, being real and being honest about oh. the situation. Mm-hmm. You got up and you uh, pretty much preached about your experience the moment you were diagnosed and your human reaction. Oh, my fiance loved that. <laughs> she loved it. She's like that, that's you just being honest. Yeah. Because at that point you said this was not supposed to happen. Yeah. Like, you honestly said that. 
So it how wasn't. how did that come about, <laughs> and how did that affect you and the people in your life once you were diagnosed? Oh gosh, the people in my life. First of all, the way it, we kind of, if you picture like concentric circles, mm-hmm. you know, first of all, you know, I got news that I, Reese, and then, um, you know, when they did the biopsy and my surgeon told me like right then, he goes, we're going to wait for the pathology tomorrow night, but I'm telling you right now, this is cancer. I'm telling you right now. And my mode, when there's a, a difficulty, I go into what's the plan? Yeah. You know, what, what's the plan? What are we going to do? And that's exactly what I asked. What's the plan? What are we doing? Um, and he laid out some options. And but he said, you know, we're gonna wait on the pathology. But I know this is what it's gonna be because I'm trying to scare you. Just want you to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And so we did wait on the pathology. And when they called, he called, my surgeon actually called me that next afternoon. Is this just what I thought it was? And so you're gonna be scheduled for a lumpectomy next week. So we began telling, we told, uh, at the time, our oldest daughter was away at college. Yeah. So, but our youngest kids, uh, we told them, that's the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do. Because they just, oh, they just burst into tears. I mean, they just, because their experience, they, and then, you know, having to call my daughter and tell her that on the phone, that was, yeah. that was heartbreaking. They all have friends who have parents who have had breast cancer, mm-hmm. and two of them, the story did not end well. The, the parent passed away, and so that's immediately where my kids all went. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank all my Adventigos listeners. Whether you have been listening since the very first episode where I was recording conversations via my iphone to now where i have the podcast on two major platforms apple Podcasts and spotify Uh, the goal is to continue to make this happen uh, for as long as god allows me as long as he allows me so tune in every other week for a fresh new episode if you want to Uh, Listen to previous episodes. Just check it out. Just type in the glory in our stories and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you have a story to tell, like I said before, let me know. I'll be more than happy to provide a platform for you to tell your story. So continue to listen in to the glory in our stories. And so that was... That was difficult. Um, and then as we kind of expanded the circle, you were telling our parents. And then um, when we told the church. And, um, you know, just we, t- it was what I had to do. I mean, I was just, I was really ticked off. I was yeah. not afraid. I was not, I was just like, this is so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just kept saying that. <laughs> and Reese would be in his office crying. <laughs> I was like, this is so stupid. Yeah. Um, so uh, I had to really fight people would get that aww that yeah. sad face and there was I. it's like you can't look at me like that yeah. you, you cannot I'm, I'm still the person I was three days ago mm-hmm. and or you know however many before we found all this out so it was I mean that's a hard thing you know cancer is a bad word and yeah. um, 
So that we just we went into I went into plan mode and then uh, trying to make sure everybody else's world stayed intact. Yeah. That's, that's just what we tried to do. And that sounded like that took well, because you already have this thing on your shoulder, and now you're literally taking the time to carry everyone else's burdens. Um, a really close friend of mine's name was Brother Willie Santiago. Mm-hmm. He was diagnosed with lung cancer back in 2011, I think. Mm. And so when he found out, because um, we were close, we they were because all of us went to First Assembly of God, yeah. and but once the pastor left, we went separate ways mm-hmm. uh, hadn't seen him in a while um, but when he called us and he told us I remember sitting down with him mm-hmm. and I'm like bro sir why aren't you freaking out like right. that's one thing in my oh, head yeah, yeah. but he was so calm and he was mm-hmm. like I'm I'm not worried about it he has right. the last say so right. and I was like yeah. wow so eventually um, unfortunately mm-hmm. he lost the battle mm-hmm. um he, he passed away in 2012 i'm sorry but man he that's one of the strongest people even oh. to the very end you know and yeah but his wife and i tell this people i tell this to people all the time because well, i actually recently told um, adrian the first time i talked about it mm-hmm. on the day that he passed her body let out this 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 sound mm-hmm. but that was it because yeah. her family was there she had to be strong right. for her kids yep. her parents yep. and she couldn't allow herself to mm-hmm. be weak mm-hmm. so I can only imagine how that was for you seeing that you were carrying this yeah. you know because my kids are, are well and daughters yeah. and and they're they're young and you know it just um, it <laughs> Just really trying to, and I was reading all this stuff, you know, when you're going through, you know, some kind of trauma, how do you, you know, how do you handle it with your kids? Yeah. And they're like, you know, keep their routine as normal as possible. So we tried to, and I promised them, I said, I promise we will not have the pink ribbons everywhere, no cancer merch. I mean, we yeah. tr- we did find a lot of humor in all of this because that's just how we deal with stuff. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while they hold me, it's like, remember, you said no merch. You said we weren't going to do it. <laughs> okay, fine, we're not going to do it. But there was a, I guess in those first few weeks, I had the surgery and we thought that everything, I was just going to do radiation, but there was something goofy with my nodes and that meant I had to have chemo and that's when I became really undone um, on that but through all that those first those those three weeks were just like a waterfall I mean just hard and I was praying one day and I really felt terrible about remembering the actual passage of scripture but I'm pretty sure it's Psalms 43 Um, I really felt this was this was written for me. <laughs> it's like, um, he will be with you in your illness and he will sustain you in your sick bed. So, okay, on its face, that's not like, oh, like in Joshua, go, I'll, you know, I'll be with you. You know, you're going to conquer the land. It wasn't that. It wasn't one of those, I can do all things through Christ. It was, you're going to go through this, but I will sustain you. Yeah. And I will be with you. <laughs> and so that's just, I had to go back to that, you know, a lot yeah. through the through the whole time. But it is, you know, you, you worry more about your kids and, you know, my husband. Of course, everything mm-hmm. doubled up for him, yeah. you know. Yeah. But um, our church family was wonderful. Our school family was 
really wonderful. My kids go to a private non-sectarian school, mm-hmm. and so um, it makes me happy that my children are friends with kids of a variety of backgrounds, yeah. and, um, and those parents and those teachers, I mean, they just, they just really stood up for us. They were ministering angels for us. Yeah. So. So now that you're on the other side of that mm-hmm. and I'm just saying it's bravo because <laughs> I mean goodness like it's I can, obviously I can I can only imagine how that experienced um, how you were able to endure and I know there are a lot of instances where people lose hope and that's one oh. thing once you lose that it's like it's difficult to maintain yes yes um, but I can see that you've held on to that and realizing that this was beyond you, oh, but, yeah. but your and but your father made you a promise. Yes. And I just recently started calling him father over the last few years because I'm, I realized that's what I need oh, at this absolutely. point in my life as yes. a father, especially entering this point mm. where I'm actually about to get married, and absolutely. I'm like, I, I need, I needed that. Yes. But seeing that you're on the other side, what, mm-hmm. what um, major differences do you notice about yourself since then? I. Uh, I'm a lot more calm. I mean, yeah. my husband might not think so, but in my head, because <laughs> he always little smirks when I say that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of thoughts always happening. There always have been. I just have a real active brain. Yeah. But instead of getting worried and upset and anxious, I've really noticed I'm, I'm just a more calm person, and my approach to things is just more, just more calm, more level-headed. Yeah. Um, as far as spiritually um, I I thought I trusted God before this happened I thought I was thank a thankful person before this happened but I don't think I was um, I think that I am much more mindful of um, this sounds so corny but mindful of the blessings in my life yeah. um, I am much more mindful of his presence um, even this afternoon when my schedule was going all crazy the way it worked out instead of being late I was I mean I just really believe that Jesus orchestrates you know all this kind of stuff because I was just feel myself getting all anxious and upset and just he just works things out and yeah. it's just there it real scripture really is true and it says you know, he works out all things to the good of those that you know believe and trust and you might not see it when you're going through it but because I certainly when I was going for those chemo treatments, I was just, this is just unpleasant beyond words. Yeah. But Jesus was doing a work, you know. He was he was doing a thing, um, and it's just kind of like that thing of you know the more time you spend with someone, the more you um, understand them, become a part of them, yeah. and that's just how I feel like it was what happened with my relationship with Jesus because yeah. we spent a lot of time together. I mean, His presence is everywhere, but just. I just prayed a whole lot and so I think all of that has helped shape and mold and change and um, hopefully uh, produce more of the fruit of the Spirit yeah hopefully <laughs> I still have big moments that are not that way yeah um, but I do think that progress was made yeah um, at, at any moment did you ask yourself I know you said this is stupid <laughs> it's, uh, no. but it, it, did you ever ask yourself why me at any moment well, I'll tell you what I did. There was a Sunday, because, you know, I lost all my hair, 
and um, I was fat and bald, and I couldn't work out. And that's just no woman wants to be that. Yeah. <laughs> I felt terrible. The bone pain. It was just oh, felt gross. And so I remember it was a Sunday morning. I still had. I was about halfway through my treatments. And I sat away from everybody because my immune system was compromised. Yeah. And um, so the worship team was, you know, singing. And I remember thinking, um, I feel sorry for the worship team because they, and they're thinking about how good God is. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought this, I was like, I feel so sorry for the worship team because they actually <laughs> believe what they're singing. And I was like, oh. Oh, oh no. Yeah. And then from the bottom of my feet all the way up came this rush and I just let God have it. I said, how could you have let this happen to me? Yeah. How could you have dropped the ball like this? And then I began to enumerate my, my good deeds, you know, because that's what, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah. I, like, I, you know, do this, I do that. I care for the poor. I feed the hungry. I, you did not hold up your end of the bargain. So that just explains a lot of bad theology that I had packed away (laughs) and didn't realize it. But, you know, at that moment, when I got all that out, I have never felt such a deep, like almost physical presence of God's love surround me. It's kind of like when a kid has a tantrum and the parent just goes, it's okay, it's all right. (laughs) And I really felt like Jesus was saying, okay, now that you got that out, now we can do some heart work. And, and this is, I'm here, and now, now that you can be honest. And that's the thing. You know, we can't handle our anger, but God can. Yeah. And it's funny you said that um, in relation to parenting. I, mm-hmm. I remember yelling at my mom for the first time and all that. She didn't shake. She didn't. Oh, man, I was like. Like, it's like <laughs> it's like you're yelling at a wall and you're expecting it to break, but yeah. it didn't budge. You're and a good mom. <laughs> man, oh my goodness. That is that is an understatement because she, yeah. But anyway, just because I've had those moments mm-hmm. where I've gotten really serious when I said, why did you do this? Yeah. Why why, why didn't you stop this? Why Absolutely. didn't you block it? yes. And he was like, I could have. Yep. But if I would have, <laughs> you wouldn't be this person that you are now. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's like when Lazarus, not yeah. When he died and Mary greets him and she's really ticked off at Jesus. She goes, if you had come, he wouldn't have died. So the same thing that we're saying. It's like, you could have, but look what great thing happened. I mean, he raised him from the dead. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I, I again, that was, that was one of the best experiences for oh. not just me in reference to you telling your story mm. but for my fiance because mm. she has uh, diabetes uh. and uh, type 1 yeah and she has issues sometimes with her you know physically and she she gets a- really really upset sure and it was just so refreshing for her to hear oh. somebody be be honest Good. Oh, about yeah. experiencing something that you did not ask for no you didn't ask for no yeah that's the thing I, like, I kept the way I would describe it's like if you're like in, you know, when you go to um, the airport and you have to go through the uh, security check, yeah, and there are all these lines. I felt like I looked away for a minute and I got directed in the wrong line. Yeah, and that's I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in that with that group. Yeah. I'm not supposed to be in this group. Yeah. But yeah, I diabetes is a ravaging, hateful disease. Um, but yeah, she didn't ask for that. Yeah, yeah. but Jesus. And I don't want this to sound corny. He he will sustain her. Yeah. And 
he sustained me. It's just, I think we do ourselves a disservice when we don't ask why, when we just go. I agree. Well, yeah. You know, just some pat answer. I think, like I said, God can handle our anger. He can handle our questions. He can yeah. handle our disappointment. Mm-hmm. He really can, just like how your mom did not, was just immovable. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how he is, you know. It, and it, if anything, I felt more loved, which I did not deserve that, you yeah. know, after I had my little tantrum there. <laughs> because that's what I needed, you know, because a lot of times when a kid is having a tantrum, they just need, just, just, if they need to calm down, they just need to stop the chaos here. Yeah. So the, I guess the last question would be to sum that all up. What would you say, if you could describe it, um, is the glory in your story? Mm-hmm. Um, if I could sum it up in a word, well, it's really more of a phrase. Um, discovering, I don't think I knew what the word steadfast really meant yeah. until I went through this. And it's not a sexy word, but it is <laughs> such an important word just knowing that Jesus was steadfast no matter what I was going through and that was reflected in my husband yeah. he was steadfast um, in you know going to all the treatments with me going to every appointment you know even my children you know they were steadfast friends people that I didn't even know that well um, just that idea of being stead, it was just his glory was reflected in all these people. Yeah. I mean, really, people that don't even claim to be believers, um, watching them be touched and be used by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I think that's that's a part of the story that's going to just kind of keep going. That's kind of an ellipsis right there. <laughs> so. Well, uh, thank you for sharing. I really appreciate it. Um, I once I shook your hand and started listening to you because you after this all happened you started uh, we started seeing more of you because when we first came obviously oh, you weren't there that often no. <laughs> and um, of course you had your, your head wrapped yes and, I did um, of course yeah. he we saw the video of you actually ringing the bell oh yeah and um, that was and just hearing him and that was one thing that I loved seeing from your husband is the vulnerability as a spouse to say physically I'm I'm breaking but yeah. I'm doing the best that I can yeah. and seeing somebody seeing an example as a husband seeing stuff something like that in 2019 is very refreshing he's so. the best hey uh, he's the best human ever and he really is he um yeah this was hard thing for us but again just He's so kind, and he just—he really reflected just that whole idea of just being steadfast. It was, you know, a lot of times I think it's almost harder on the caregiver. Yeah. Because people are gonna, oh, how are you? And you know, they're over there dying. <laughs> 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 yeah. But uh, again, thank you for your time. Thank you, and Calvin. I really appreciate the opportunity. No, no problem. Thank you for sharing your story. Hello, TGOS listeners. Thank you for listening. Tune in soon for the latest episode of the glory in our stories.